This is where I came in. This is perfect. Testing. 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 One, two, three. Here I am. <laughs> oh, you mad. You mad. You mad impulsive fool. Darn. So ghostly, so beautiful, haunting. The movie will fan. Over and over and over. Over and over again. It's like nothing in the world. San Francisco. Aspects of Zandiacal decadence. Slander. I do anything to get it back. Would you come with us? Formal world—that's an odd reaction. Formal world. Crayola. Is there a problem, officer? Totally. Totally. Totally thrilled. Let's just do it. You have me. Hi, everyone. This is Andy. I'm back in San Francisco, back in the fabulous Hilltop Studios of Treasure Trove Productions. Welcome to episode number five of Andy's Treasure Trove. This episode, I thought we would take a little more time than usual and talk about astrology a little bit. Now, I include astrology in this program because I find it an interesting perspective on things, especially when Joanne Brazil talks about it. Joanne Brazil is the author that we spoke to briefly in the first episode of Andy's Treasure Trove. You've heard Joanne give reports about the upcoming month and what the stars have to say about it. This time, I had a conversation with her about the astrological charts of the presidential and vice presidential candidates. And what she said was pretty interesting, so I'm going to share that with you. Then Joanne is going to tell us about some things that have been working their way through the astrological charts for years, seven or eight years, culminating the end of this year. And finally, we'll get her regular report about what's coming up in the month of October. like totally off the top of my head just from glancing at these charts. A chart can be so complicated, but we'll try to keep it simple and just see some of the basic things about each person. We'll start with John McCain. John McCain is a Virgo, which is very um, self, can be very self-sacrificing and very analytical. He has Libra rising. We're not quite sure of exactly when he was born, but this is... Pe- the best information we have tells us he has Libra rising. The rising sign is a personality. And all this means is John McCain may seem a lot more pleasant on the surface than he actually is. He, he's hardworking, self-sacrificing, but when if you met him in person, you might find him like charming and lighthearted, like covering up some of the heavy self-sacrifice that he walks around in. He also has very strong leadership drives. Very, very strong. It's, I just wonder what he's doing running for president now with Saturn crossing his son. Saturn makes people shrink. <laughs> it's a good time to go on a diet. <laughs> it's a good time to be more realistic. It's a good thing to cut down. And the person running for president has to make things be very big. You have to travel. You have to open things up. You have to make yourself as big as possible. And here he is on a cosmic diet. Barack Obama has some things in common with Sarah Palin, oddly enough. He is a Leo. Leo is a sign of leadership. They make great leaders and great parents. They love being the center of attention. His rising sign or his personality sign, which is what people notice, is Aquarius. So people might notice that he's very uh, kind of group-oriented, always networking, always working the groups in the networks. He is very much his own person. His relationships are very strong. His marriage, the marriage partner, amazing, amazing. One day I would like to look at Michelle Obama's horoscope with you, Andy. He also has something called a yod, which is Hebrew, I believe, for the hand of God or the finger of God. He's got this finger of God pointing 
in the direction of luck. The hand of God, the finger of God, has two planets kind of at the base and a finger pointing. And he's got a lot of psychic energy. Actually, all of them do. Sarah Palin, John McCain, Obama, and Biden, all four of them have tremendous amounts of psychic energy in the horoscope. Barack Obama also is a strong partner person, needs and wants to have a strong partner with him. I talk about the hand of God because it's said to be something that helps people be great in the world, that whatever they do, it's going to come out in the world so that they can be effective, important people in some way or other. With these four people, the, the two presidential candidates and the vice presidents, he's the only one with that. Sarah Palin is an Aquarius and she has Aquarius rising. Her personality is also Aquarian. So Sarah Palin, and we're not quite, we're not sure whether to trust her time of birth either, but with Sarah Palin, if this horoscope I'm looking at is right, what you see is what you get. She's an Aquarian person. She's complicated. Aquarius is part tradition and part future. We say that Aquarians are born free, that she has a sense of her own freedom, of her own individuality. And what you see is what you get. She has a charismatic personality. She'll get people to look at her. Uh, She can attract attention to herself. And that's kind of what she's all about. It's all about her. It's all about me. She also has the uh, ability to inspire people. And Barack Obama has that same thing, comes from Neptune in the place of the higher mind. And Barack Obama and Sarah Palin both have that capacity to inspire, and it's partly what their job in the world is about. Then we have Joe Biden. Joe Biden has a totally different kind of a horoscope. He's a Scorpio with Venus in Scorpio and Mercury in Scorpio and Mars in Scorpio. When you have so much energy in one sign, it's considered to be a talent or something very, a kind of very unusual energy package where you have all your eggs in one basket. Joe Biden, as like a very intense Scorpio, is able to handle all the secret depth of understanding human motivation, understanding the life cycles, understanding birth, sex, maturity, death, and spirituality. He's an extremely deep person. And as we get closer to the election, Joe Biden is the one who's going to have the advantage over everyone else. And it's almost too bad that he isn't running for president because as we get closer to the election day, more planets will be clustered around his his cluster of Scorpio planets. By the end of the year, it's the end of Pluto going through Sagittarius. It's the end of certain kind of rotten and restrictive ideas that curtail our our collective happiness, and fill us with falsehoods, fill our minds with false ideas, bad ideas. So w- this year, we're, before we can go clean up the banking and mortgage system, uh, we ha- which is Capricorn, we ha- we're just at the end of Sagittarius, which is big ideas, uh, big religion, big government, big theories, and it's supposed to be like the end of certain things as we know it, the end of religion as we know it, the end of foreign travel as we know it, the end of foreign relations as we know it, and then we start looking at big ideas in different ways and in more practical ways. So this is supposed to be the end of the lies from big religion. It's the kind of thing that we should have gotten rid of long ago, but during this presidential election, that's one of the things that a lot of people will be looking at. 
what's truth and what's lies about religion. And then we should collectively, we need to put our thinking about religion aside and go clean up the banking system and clean up the mortgage stuff. These problems are so pervasive and they're going to take so long to get rid of that we barely have even started. When you look at the big world problems, there are always there's always a massive big world problem that you can see in the horoscope. And then you look at our little personal lives and you try to see how, you know, we can coexist or not coexist with the big powers. When you're lying down on the ground looking at the stars, thousands of years ago they were probably a lot brighter and we didn't have as much to do. So it was kind of like watching TV. People would see the patterns and, oh, there's Cassiopeia, there's Orion, there's the Big Dipper, there's the Little Dipper. And then they began to study more and more the patterns. And then you can see, because some of the planets go in a very predictable pattern, not all do, but some do. And some go around to the same, go around the same pattern every year. So people would associate certain things with certain seasons and with certain uh, clusters of planets. So then you can kind of see, oh, this is predictable. Oh, the the sun is in Cancer Moonchild now, for example. Uh, the sun is warmth, vitality, and life. And the moon is another kind of light source, but it's ref- about reflection. But then we learn to, like, identify with the planets and to kind of personalize them. And as we see the patterns in the sky, we can sometimes associate with patterns, associate that with patterns in our own life. So then I see, oh, the sun is in Cancer and the moon is in Leo or whatever. Oh, this is the time when I always clean my house. Or, oh, the sun is in Scorpio, the moon is in Sagittarius. Oh, this is the time when the emperor always spends all of our money and raises the taxes. So people who study the planets study the planets, but they also like study human behavior. They study themselves and they study the world. And then we look for how the patterns overlap. And then we're not supposed to try to predict because you can't really. You're just guessing. But the the temptation to try to predict is really strong and it can be really fun if you don't take it too seriously. So that's my take on all of this. Now, some people are a lot more serious about it. And in India, for example, they really believe that uh, the planets show what our fate is, that we're all fated. And you can look up your horoscope and it'll say everything that is going to happen to you. And that's just the way it is. In Western astrology, we don't think of it like that. We think of trends and tendencies, and we like to think that we, <laughs> we have more control over our destiny. Each planet represents a different kind of energy, and each season represents a change, like a light going from pastel to deep, and then vanishing and then coming back again, and the light getting darker and lighter. So each, it's like each planet has a certain color to it or a feeling about it. And then you see how the different planets mix and mingle and combine or conflict with each other. And then the more you study it, the more interesting it becomes because you under- kind of understand this color scheme and that some of the combinations aren't good. <laughs> you get plaids and stripes or clashing colors. This is how it gets more complicated because at first you're just lying on your back looking at the stars, kind of like watching TV, and then you make these connections and you make associations. And different planets have, 
we just say they have a certain, we associate a certain kind of energy with them. And then we can also say we associate colors with them. Planets going into Virgo, we think of white and blue. Then when planets go into Aquarius, Aquarius is a very complicated sign, and we think of paisley print. And then actually Gemini, lots of Gemini people like stripes because Gemini is dual. It's the twins. It's two. Uh, Pisces is all the colors of ocean. So you think of like greens and turquoises and swirly things. Pisces is waters and oceans and mists and things with no sharp edges. And Pisces would be like a musical note where Gemini would be a word. Wherever you start studying astrology, it can just get more and more interesting and more complicated the more you study it. Then if you ever get a chance to have your own horoscope done, then you see how you fit into the world. And your own horoscope is like astrology and microcosm. I just find it endlessly interesting. But I also find other things endlessly interesting. I I have Gemini rising and I'm always like curious about something. The people who are very, very interested in this, say people who go to the astrological conventions, for example. It, to me, it can go too far because somebody will say, oh, Pluto's crossing my son, and the other person will go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you don't really know what's going on in the person's life. It gets too abstract. As we leave September and move into October, planets that have been in Libra, which wants to get dressed up and be very social and very pretty and very balanced and very fair, planets then move into Scorpio, and we get into secret territories and territories inside the body and under the skin. Mercury is retrograde the first half of October. A few times a year, Mercury goes what appears to be backward. And the significance of that for us is it causes us to have to recheck things. We have to, and we're supposed to be rechecking phone numbers, rechecking our work, rechecking things that we've written or said, and Mercury is a planet that rules communication. At the beginning of October, the sun is in Libra, so we say, oh, it's Libra time, that means the sun is in Libra, and the sun is where we get our vitality, so the vitality at the beginning of October is basically with Libra. The sun shines light, so the enlightenment at the beginning of September is with Libra. Mercury is in Libra, so we're thinking, our thought process is about fairness and justice and balance. Our emotions, however, are Scorpio in the beginning of October. Venus and Scorpio can be obsessive, it can be jealous, it can be demanding, and the emotions are all like very deep inside. So Venus and Scorpio has to veil the energy. And as we get closer to Halloween, people talk about the veil between this world and the hereafter, the spirit world. So there's kind of a witchiness that comes along in October. The weekend, the first weekend of October, Mars goes into Scorpio, and Mars loves being in Scorpio. It just loves to get into the ground, get into sex, get into the deep motivations, and Mars is very effective there. But Mars and Venus, both in Scorpio, can be a big overload of secrets, of sexuality, of smoldering, um, and However, it should be very interesting applied to the presidential election because people's secrets will come out more. There's more delving into the secret territory. So about midway through October, Mercury starts going what they call direct. It moves out of that retrograde period 
which is so useful for reviewing and editing, then it moves forward. It's going to take the whole rest of the month for Mercury to move through Libra. So we're still thinking in nice, balanced terms. But our emotions in our kind of uh, our animal drives are, get deeper and deeper. Scorpio rules uh, sex organs and organs of elimination. So it's, it, it just wants to get stuff out of our body. So then when we get to when the sun is in Scorpio around the 24th, then the vitality goes out of Libra. We go out of balance, and, and the vitality goes into our secret places. So by the time the month of October comes to an end, whatever is secret is where the benefit and the problems are. The benefits come from knowing how we feel and knowing where we want to be, knowing what's important to us and what we care about. So all these kind of gut-wrenching things are going on. All these mysteries are being revealed or hidden. Thanks a lot, Joanne. We'll hear from you in about three weeks. And right now I'd like to close out the episode with two poems by local poet Ralph Jack. We'll be hearing more from him on future episodes, but here's a little taste of his poetry. Don't let dogs yawn. Clarity is overrated. It's narrowing and impacts less. The clear day, the clear sky is a storybook that's over. Murky is getting closer the blob that interferes with the carefully maintained. We wait and wait until it happens. Talk about impending doom. No way of fencing it off. It'll hop over borders, get under radar. The answer is, get into the mud and ululate. Give up the summer plans and saving for the future. Learn a new language. It's time. Wait for the birds. They know everything. Your day to lollygag. He became pavement, the flattened, gone-to-work surface, put out like the trash on Tuesdays by the curb in a rickety can. Waiting, shirt tucked, bills paid, they told him to be ready on September 9th, today, have his loose ends tied up, no untended clutter, they would pick him up. That's it for Episode 5. See you next week for Episode 6. Goodbye, and thanks for listening. All rights reserved. Andy Moore, Treasure Trove Productions.